0: SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast, and we are back with an episode of another episode of the Underdog Dynasty Podcast, AAC edition. My name's Dan Morrison. That's Emily Van Buskirk. We're going to roll with the little stumble on my words there because I'm sick and tired of redoing that type of thing because I stumble a mm. lot on it. It's okay. It's
1: authentic. It's authentic. We love it.
0: It's raw. It's good. How are you doing, Emily?
1: It is good. I'm doing great. I'm excited for this week eight because we're so far in the season. And I'm excited because I finished a story recently um, about... I don't know if our listeners have been following along, but I was at Iowa two weeks ago for the Penn State upset, which has already been negated by their loss. Okay, so obviously, yeah. Okay, Boilermakers, way to spoil my fun this weekend. (laughs) But prior to that, I was working on a story on Iowa quarterback Spencer Petras, who went to my high school along with Jared Goff, Marine Catholic, um, and I was able to reach out to Jared <laughs> and, and then I'd talk talked to Spencer at the game and um, actually interviewed Kirk Ferentz, the Iowa head coach. So I had a nice little story I was doing about, you know, the bond that this high school that no one has ever heard of in a place mm-hmm. that people don't really know where it is, has forged. And uh, they ran the story. First of all, it went online on the Marin IJ dot com and then they ran it in the front page of the sports section on sunday Mm -hmm. so i think it was sunday yeah sunday so full story is like a thousand words that i wrote which my stories are always that long but yeah. um it was yeah, cool because we all awesome. went to MC. Yeah. And so it was like our athletic department at our high school retweeted it and it was like, yeah, three Marine Catholic alums. It's kind of a unique situation to have two stellar quarterbacks like that and then the writer that's writing about them also be from the same high school. Like mm-hmm. it's so random, yeah. it's so weird, but
0: no, that's, that's awesome. And so it is a good story. So you Neil. Know, gotta go check it out if you haven't i know this is the aac podcast that's we're talking what detroit lions iowa yeah yeah you
1: know what i mean but
0: it's fine because you know we talked about it before it's good to be a well-rounded college football fan know what's going on everywhere it's something that i think a lot of power five fans don't appreciate and g5 fans really should that this game or this sport is way more than just a handful of teams
1: yeah. And it's just kind of a fun feel good story with all the craziness going on. It was nice to write something that was wholesome. And yeah. their relationship is so cute. So you should check it out.
0: There really isn't anything more fun than just when you write a story, and you're like, Ooh, I think this is actually just like nice.
1: Like, it's, it's just not, like, it's just a. there's like, nothing mean in it. Like, it's well, just I don't nice. think this
0: is divisive. I don't think this isn't me like giving my opinion where I could be like, someone go, mm-hmm. Actually, idiot, I remember, you know. 2012 when this was the case so you're wrong and you're just like okay I didn't it's fine (laughs) like what will live (laughs) this is
1: just about two quarterbacks that never played together ever on the same you know they played in the same field but they never played together they never were on the same team but they'll always be part of this marine catholic team which is It's kind of a fun, you know, Mm -hmm. thing. And Jared Goff offered um, Spencer a lot of advice when he was going to Iowa. So there's an interesting story about how Spencer got to Iowa. He was originally an Oregon State commit, ended Mm -hmm. up going there. And it was funny because Iowa was between, they were like struggling to find a quarterback that year, according to Mm Ferentz, and they were between Spencer and Zach Wilson. So that would have been a funny twist of fate had they not gone with Spencer.
0: I don't think Wilson would be in the NFL right now if he went to Iowa just the difference in the offense. I
1: don't know, but it's kind of funny to know that like one small change could have altered like all of this stuff that we've seen happen for Wilson and for Spencer. So it's weird. and
0: and we talk about, I know we just, so for those who don't know, we don't normally record back to back. We're recording back to back today because it's just how it's a
1: week. It's a week, how the timing's worked (laughs)
0: out on it. It's what it is. It's yeah. You know, uh, we were just talking a lot about fan fiction with mm-hmm. sports and like how fun it is to go back and say, what if, I think, what if Zach Wilson went to Iowa is very interesting because I, you know, why yeah. BYU end up in the big 12, if they don't have a couple, like really good years, all of a sudden, like they still have the great fan base and they still have a great stadium and facilities, but do they get overlooked? Maybe, uh, you know, is Zach Wilson still the quarterback at Iowa still being like, uh, you know, being like an Iowa quarterback, which is the offense doesn't allow for you to put up the numbers or look the way he looked at BYU in his last year there. It's, it's interesting to go back. I know it. These are,
1: it's crazy. I was listening and hearing coach Ferens talk about it and be like, yeah, it ended up okay for him. And like, it ended up great for us, but it's weird to hear a coach talk about these alternate universe. Yeah. He was like, it ended up. okay." He's funny. Kirk Ferens is so funny and people do not see that side of him, but he's actually hilarious. Um, but it's kind of cool to hear coaches talk about those alternate universes that could have happened, you know,
0: yeah, and you really need to like, for a lot of guys like that, get to know them to actually know what they're like, because, you know, it's easy from a distance to say, Oh, Kirk Ferentz, he's an old curmudgeoning guy who runs the same old school, everything <laughs> at Iowa. And, you know, that might be what he gives you at a press conference or, you know, yeah. or, or I think you mentioned that an Iowa press conference is like an old uh, one of those old boys clubs it was an
1: old guys club yeah it was I was like but it made it made a huge difference that coach parents like made the time to reach out as a female Mm -hmm. writer as a young writer like it was Mm -hmm. everything to have him realize that that's what it was and then make an effort to speak with me about the story so I really appreciate Iowa for that it's anyways go read the story
0: <laughs> again, i'll add on it's definitely so much easier to speak to like a coach one-on-one in my opinion than i hate press conferences i hate asking questions at them i'm just i feel like yeah. as i go what if my question's dumb what if this is, uh, is a yeah. dumb question what if this is imagine, a question everyone imagine already knows that the you know
1: imagine that and then imagine being female and having people be like you don't know what you're talking about you never played the sport you shouldn't even be here so yeah, it's that it. times a million yeah like, and like, i like press conferences to be honest like i like standing up and pushing forward and doing that but this one was just could not get a word in tried like four times and was shut down so yeah. i have a limit
0: yeah oh and again so shout out to kirk ferentz for being cool about all that in the uh yes. FMF. go read the story uh we've got yeah I-
1: marini.com
0: There you have it. Uh, we've got five (laughs) AAC games to go over this week. Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that's a pretty interesting slate. I think we've got Thursday, Friday, then three games on Saturday. So you're going to be kept through. You're going to have something to watch all week.
1: Yeah. We love that.
0: We do love that. I think, man, there's really only one of these games looking at it at a glance that I think is going to be maybe two. I'm going to say two. I'm going to say aren't going to be okay. super competitive. Um, but I think it's going to be a good uh, slate overall. Let me
1: let me take a guess at, at which one. All right.
0: Well, um, okay, yeah. So we're not going to talk about it yet. We're going to talk okay. about a couple games. Okay. You know, I All do right. not think Cincinnati Navy is going to be competitive. <laughs>
1: that's, the <Okay>. one I,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: that's the one I thought you were going to okay. say.
0: But let's start on the Thursday night game then, which is, I okay. think, a game that has the potential to be interesting but in our heart of hearts we know who we should be picking in this game it's Tulane at SMU oh no so oh Tulane no. We've, we've talked a lot about Tulane's issues on offense which is consistency especially from Michael Pratt making sure he doesn't make mistakes like holding the ball too long and gain strips act and not compounding those mistakes by following that up by trying to make up for that fumble with a Force ball into an interception, which he has had a tendency to do, just compound mistakes a little. <laughs> he has a ton of potential, and I think we all see that as well. I know we also want to see more two tight end sets out of them because they're very strong from that set. Uh what we haven't talked about enough, I don't think, is just how bad their defense has been, especially early in games, and they're setting the offense up where every game feels like they need to come from behind if they have any shot to win, mm. which is just not. That's part of what leads to the interceptions and stuff because you feel like you need to go make a play. Uh, the defense needs to show improvement, and this might not be the game where you see any tangible improvement because we all know what SMU's offense is like.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. We all know what's coming.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, SMU, you can you can score on them. I think S- or, uh, Tulane rather has plenty of opportunity to score 30-plus points in this game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They, I think they've got the talent and ability and offense to go do that. I just don't know that SMU doesn't have a 50 burger. No,
1: I really, if that happens, I'm going to be well, you're demoralized. Gonna,
0: what Tulane really needs to do is they need to turn over Tanner Mordecai because he's a bit of a gunslinger and yes. I think we give him a lot of a, a pass on his own interceptions and things like that because he likes to you know, trust his arm and that's fine if it works and it often works for him, but you know, if you can turn them over a couple times, give your offense short field, steal possessions, you're at least looking at like a, uh, at a much closer game than I think uh, it otherwise could be.
1: Rough. Yeah. I, this is my thing is you look, I've been looking at the matchups uh, from last year, you know, when they played each other and it's weird because Tulane usually is that team that can be as potent offensively, maybe not as potent as SMU, but can score points, but you're right. It's defensively. If you can't cause a little bit of chaos in this game, it's going to be a really ugly day and a long night for Tulane. So I agree with you. They need to, they need to force Mordecai's hand in that regard and just hope to make up the difference yeah. because if if two lanes defense can get some of that mojo and energy going mm-hmm. with turnovers mm-hmm. I feel like that'll bleed into Pratt because he's so um he's his play it's it's predicated on how everyone else is doing if they're doing well he will rise up but he is not the guy when they start sinking that's going to keep the ship afloat he's well, just not that guy
0: like I said so. I think he forces the issue too much when he feels like yeah. he needs to go make a play he doesn't let it come to him he you know, and, right. and mistakes come from that. And again, he's still a true sophomore. That means he's, I think, 19 years old right now, maybe 20 at the oldest. And that's yeah. the type of thing that does come as you grow uh, in age and you can become more consistent. You know what I mean? But no, I just, my biggest hangup on this game, I know that Tulane's got guys on offense. I believe Tulane can score. I don't think they can stop a nosebleed right now on defense though. I think Ulysses Bentley is going to run through their defense. <laughs> And I think that when you balance out Tanner Mordecai who can throw it all over the field and they've got good receivers like Roberson on that side and Rice and like, I just, I don't see how you, how they slow down SMU at all, to be honest, especially at SMU.
1: I agree with you. The only thing I'll say is this about SMU and why I think maybe Tulane could come out victorious in this game. There's, and we say this every time with SMU, every time they keep winning, there's more and more pressure on this season to Mm -hmm. be perfect. You know, they're streaking, they have the 6-0 and start for the second time in three seasons um, when they were 8-0 and in 2019. So
0: that's very fair because SMU hasn't gotten over the hump from very good to great in the American just yet. Also, if you want to talk, do you like trap games for your topic of (laughs) conversation? Houston's next week for SMU.
1: Interesting. So they could be looking through Tulane.
0: Hypothetically. because Hypothetically. You know, hypothetically. I don't know that they are, but hypothetically.
1: But they could be. So, uh, yeah, it has the makings of maybe some Thursday night chaos. No. That's all I'm saying.
0: The spreads 13 and a half. and uh, That's SMU Ooh. to win by two touchdowns, essentially.
1: We don't love that. So you're going to go SMU, I'm guessing. Oh, yeah,
0: all day long. I, I don't think Tulane stops them enough.
1: Uh, I'm really torn here because... Just take
0: Tulane and take the loss. It's fine. I want to
1: take Tulane, but I've picked them so much. Maybe I'm the problem. Maybe I'm the jinx. So I'm actually going to go SMU here ooh, ooh. and see what, and roll the dice and happens. maybe, maybe do them some good by picking against them. Okay.
0: So. Well, we'll see. I don't know that you can do them any good because. Well, well,
1: yeah. I might, we might, we'll see. Oh, I'm a well, jinx, man. It's a real we'll thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. You- <laughs> You had that story in iowa come out and look what purdue pete did to them
1: uh, i am the aware mascot, I <laughs> the worst
0: mascot in college football i saw something like purdue's got the most wins all time over the number two team in the country or something like that yeah, it's or like top they three don't, and it's like not like meaningless like, it's, wins. As a, it's as an unranked team was the stat like most wins over the number two it's team was an unranked. and you know part of that's opportunity but man it's just I didn't so see
1: that game. I didn't see that iO game, but it is very upsetting to see them lose at home. I, was, I understand on the road, but I, at home,
0: I, I was mm-hmm. on other games because I'm not a huge big tan uh, big Ten football fan. I don't love the mm-hmm. way it, It's just not my favorite brand to watch of football. But like I kind of like flipped through scores real quick. I was like twenty four seven Purdue. I was like, that's I like, oh no. I, I giggled to myself. I was like, yeah, I remember when they did that to Ohio State. That's funny.
1: I was like, yeah. Spencer, can we not do this when I'm writing this big feature about you right <laughs> like now? Like it's supposed like, to come please. out like
0: half an hour. Could we <laughs> maybe get it in the end zone here? Yeah, I was uh,
1: like, ugh, but
0: yeah.
1: Anyways, anyways, Friday, Friday Night, Night Lights.
0: Memphis at UCF. It's the space game for UCF. Uh, last year, when UCF missed the kick in uh, at the end of regulation, and Memphis beat them at the Liberty Bowl, fifty to forty nine, I believe was the final score off the top of my head. Uh, mm-hmm. That was the first time Memphis has beaten UCF when both teams were at the Division One A slash FBS level in its history, and they played. Wow! Like, they played like it was in the teens in terms of wins in a row for UCF. It was a long winning streak that Memphis snapped last year in a very close game that UCF blew a lead in, and Josh Heupel mismanaged the clock in the second half. <laughs> just not to just throwing the it same. all out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're not saying, but we're saying we're not saying, but enjoy him, Tennessee. I'm not, I don't miss him all that much, to be honest. Um, I was a hypo defender for years, but I don't miss him now.
1: Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting.
0: I defended okay. him for years, defended his play calling, defended all of it. And he hurt me. And that's all he ever did was hurt me. No, um, that's not the end of the world. He was fine. Not like
1: every guy I ever dated before. <laughs>
0: Chase.
1: So. Great. Before Chase
0: add the qualifier. <laughs>
1: No, before yeah, Chase is amazing, my current boyfriend. So I can't I can't gotta give him props. Um, I wanna say something about UCF before okay, you go on a tirade. I, I'm, yeah, just start I'm with excited. Memphis. Oh, okay. Well, then you were gonna finish strong with UCF. So or whatever. Um I am going to not pick Memphis in this game, which is gonna surprise mm-hmm. you. Like, I'm gonna go UCF because they're at home.
0: Never lost. And the because
1: there and it's the space game and there's all these like, I will UCF fans are very passionate and they show up. So Mm -hmm. I don't care that it's a Friday night game. Most people are like, Oh, Friday nights are tough. Like people don't come out. No (laughs) bounce house is going to be full and it's going to be epic. So I would not pick against UCF at all.
0: Uh, So I have not been a student at UCF for several years now, Mm -hmm. but when I was a student there, if there's a weeknight game, you got like the second half of the day off from class. Like if there was a Thursday <laughs> game, there's no classes after like 11 AM.
1: That's Just... amazing.
0: <laughs> so like they, they do, at least when I was there, they, I get don't them out there. Them. they make it easy for you to go tailgate and go to the game. There's no one who's got like a seven o'clock lab that they need to be at on campus. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it is, it's a great atmosphere. I think that it's one of the hardest atmospheres to play out in the American. I think it's the bounce house and Nippert are basically one, two for that level of difficulty to go into Liberty Bowl is also very difficult for Memphis, won't take that away from them. But- uh,
1: Right, I've heard that as well, but-
0: <laughs> It is difficult to go into the Liberty Bowl. Yeah. Um,
1: I think that- That being the- said, people, people have gone in saying, I have read several previews and you're going to hate this, uh, that Memphis is the better team. <laughs>
0: I mean, they're not the better team; they're the less injured team. I'll say that. Like, if, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, here's my thing with that. I know that I just got done saying I thought UCF was going to be able to run on Cincinnati a bit more, and that mm-hmm. was going to be a huge help. They will be able to run yes. on Memphis. They're going hundredth
1: in total defense. Bowser's Memphis. healthy.
0: 116 Yeah, they've got a thunder yeah. and lightning kind of running back combo right now with mm-hmm. Richardson and Bowser. It's going to. They're going to be able to run on mm-hmm. Memphis. That's. All I'll say about it, that it takes a lot yeah. of pressure off Mikey Keene. Memphis does not have the same corners that Cincinnati does, which means that getting it out to the receivers in space is going to work a lot better. Uh, again, it's at home, which just helps build confidence in, for a team. You know, you can feed off the fan base.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I, of course, I've got questions Memphis about how so is.
1: bad on defense. And, uh, like they are not there's good on issues. defense. Like statistically, even though we saw we what like we Mcintyre. saw last weekend. Yeah, we like. We love Mcintyre. McIntyre. Yeah, You
0: think there's a lot of raw talent there. They played well against Navy. Yes. Say it all. But
1: statistically, it's not good.
0: But over the course of the season, there's been a lot of issues, especially in the rush defense. In yeah. my opinion, you know. Not in yeah. my opinion, statistically proven. <laughs>
1: Statistic, yeah, it's proven. They're, they rank yeah. very poorly in total defense, pass defense, and scoring defense. Uh, Although scoring defense is a little bit better than the other two. So I don't know. Yeah.
0: I mean, when you look at scoring defense, defense if it's better than the other two, you often want to look at the turnover margin. They might just mm-hmm. force a lot of turnovers and yeah. sort of like that. Um, I, I got a, I got I, a question for you, that.
1: though. Do you think it's going to go over under 63 I think it's going to go under. Really? No,
0: because I don't think that UCF right now with Mikey Keen is going to score a ton of points. And I think that the defense is – I thought that the – I'm going to go back to the ECU-UCF game. I mm-hmm. thought that game was for sure going to be, like, in the 80s for point total, and it was, mm-hmm. like, 20 to 16. I think we're looking much more like a low-scoring game like that.
1: I don't know. The Knights are 5-1 and one in the, with the over – in the last six games. So I'm, I think it's going to okay, go but like the
0: over against Cincinnati was cause Cincinnati scored 56 points. It wasn't because <laughs> of like,
1: well, maybe Memphis scores a bunch of points. I don't well, know. Here, but here's I, what I'll
0: say about that: UCF secondary is incredibly young and I think there's talent there, but it's raw and it's not, it's not super yeah. developed yet. And I think Calvin Austin's going to be a problem for their secondary. He, just, okay. he's going to Memphis will get theirs passing the ball. I don't think Memphis is going to run the ball super well against that defensive line. I think if they can be creative in their blitzes and get pressure, especially if they can get pressure with four, like looking at you, Big Cat, Brian, for a big day, Hennigan could be in trouble because you know he's a freshman quarterback. So we like him, but he's a freshman quarterback. And if you hit yeah. him, he will make mistakes. So I think that's the key is for the UCF defensive line to win the line of scrimmage and vice versa for the uh, Memphis offensive line to win the line of scrimmage. I think that pretty much decides who wins the game as a whole because I think UCF will look better and more consistent on offense than they did last week and their Mm -hmm. defense will not get completely run through the way Cincinnati and Jerome Ford were able to run through them. So I think it'll be a close, good, super entertaining, great Friday night game. I think that's 100% worth watching.
1: Yeah. Um, Agreed. So you're going to go UCF. Oh yeah. All day long. I can't, I can't.
0: I mean, at this point, I'm just going
1: to pick all the same games you pick for
0: but this But then week. You, you'll never catch up then.
1: Well, I'll take a week off. I'll take a week <laughs> off from the chaos, and then we'll come back strong next week.
0: Well, if that's the way you want to play it.
1: <laughs> I got to do something. I got to do something.
0: <laughs> wasting a week is not something.
1: It's, it's not wasting if I can not do any detriment to my record. If I can just improve it, you know what I mean? Then <laughs> I'm by okay. A winning percentage
0: thing. <laughs> All right. Yes. Uh, We've got three Saturday games to go through too. Um, The first is at noon. It's Cincinnati at Navy. How long do we want to talk about this at a two-minute timer?
1: I mean, yeah. Uh,
0: Here's what I'll say. I do think Navy has been getting exponentially better over the course of the season. Okay. But that's fair. But come on. Do I have to like get deeper than that? (laughs) I think Navy's at least
1: it's hot navy. At least it's hot navy. It's like
0: this incredibly difficult stretch here. Like they beat UCF, which was huge for them because if they didn't beat UCF, and that was a comfort behind victory. And remember, they had then SMU, Memphis, Cincinnati this week. I believe they've got Mm -hmm. Houston at some point on the schedule coming up. I know they have to play Notre Dame in this stretch. Like it is not a fun stretch for Navy. And it's going to make their record look a lot worse than they are as a team in its whole, because it's just as difficult to stretch of schedules. They've had Kenny Matalolo in the offseason pointed point to this stretch that they're in now as the hardest stretch of games he's had in his career as a head coach at Navy. And it's just crazy. It's going to make them look worse than they are. And that feels bad because I do think they're improving and you want, I don't know I've got a soft spot for Navy and I always want to see them do well. I think most people do, you know, just yeah. for everything that they are and represent and, you know the uniqueness that is the navy football program cincinnati is going to put up style points on them mm-hmm. cincinnati wants to prove a point we're getting close to playoff ranking time uh cincinnati needs to look head and tails above the rest of the american because you know they're looking for a reason to not include them because that's of just how, that's how the playoff committee functions
1: yeah that's, you
0: know it's just how it is. We all know that it's not breaking news. I'm a cynic about whether or not they can make it, even if they run the table from here, winning every game by 30. I hope they make it. I hope Cincinnati wins the national championship. I really do. I'll be jealous <laughs> of them as a UCF guy, but I'll really be happy for them at the same time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And those are two. There things. has to
1: be – there's a lot of things that would have to – it's not that they can't get in.
0: They'd have to be – <laughs> <That's, laughs>
1: Yeah, or there has to be chaos – uh, elsewhere like something cr- some crazy stuff has to happen for them to re- retain that number two possibly
0: i thought to i don't myself know a couple of days ago that what if notre dame at 11 and one made it ahead of them because of like oh well you see the strength of the schedule overall they're no had because head to loss. head
1: you can't so
0: notre you can't. dame had a quality loss versus nice quality no, no also notre dame made a deal with like the devil that they get to stay independent but they have to be unbeaten in uh the rest of the season to make the playoff. That's if the playoff expands, that changes a little, but that's their kind of deal with the devil. So
1: Mm.
0: they're out of the playoff as it is anyways. And they're not impressive enough to fight their way back. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No. Anyways. uh, Yeah. I don't want to spend more too much more time talking about this game because it is just, we know what's going to happen. We know it's going to be a style point thing. Cincinnati's defense is so good at everything that they do right now that I don't see how Navy's. Mm. I don't see Navy breaking double digits in points in this game.
1: I think it'll it depends like with every Navy game we talk about we talk about controlling the clock, controlling mm-hmm. the ball. If and that's they could you know. make it difficult, right? Cuz figuring out the triple even though you know it's coming it still yeah. takes a little bit of time to get into it in the game. So I feel like we're going to see a half mm-hmm. where people are start freaking out. Like Navy they comes out at that. home yeah, they smack them, mm. and you see that first half, and you're like, oh, shit, and people are going to start freaking out that Cincinnati's going to lose. But then Cincinnati's statistically second half is very strong, so they they'll come in and win. So I'm going to go with Cincinnati, but I think the first half will belong to Navy.
0: And, so. you know, you're right. Cincinnati has been starting mm-hmm. slow of the season. They did not start mm-hmm. slow against UCF for some reason. Don't know why they took the week <laughs> no. off from that. <laughs> uh, no, they did not. The closest thing I can say is last year – Cincinnati did play army. And if you want, it's different armies, better than Navy right now. They're just, yeah. they just are. And last year's army team was very good. Uh, yes. Last year's Cincinnati team was a different Cincinnati team than this year. It's hard to go from year to year and make those comparisons. It's why I don't necessarily want to compare this Georgia team to this Cincinnati team because they played in last year's Peach bowl. That's different circumstances. You know right. what I mean? But that was a very low score. It's like 24 to 10, 24 to 14, off the top of my head game. And, like, could Navy make them play that type of game again where people go, oh, I don't know what happened there, he Potentially, but I don't think it will. I think it's going to be a pretty handy win for the old uh, Bearcats. Yeah.
1: All right. All right. So we're, yeah. both, we're both picking Cincy.
0: <laughs> yeah, we are. So that's convenient. This one I think is an interesting – I'll be interested to see who you take in this next one. At 4 mm-hmm. o'clock, ECU kicks off at Houston. Okay. Um, so – I think this is maybe the most interesting game of the week because I don't trust Houston yet. I have I think their records is excellent. I think they haven't played mm-hmm. anyone good yet. I think those two things mm-hmm. can both be true. I think ECU is we've talked about this taking such great strides forward this year that it'll be very interesting to see. Is Houston a little bit of a smoke and mirrors record? How is ECU like against again another very athletic team, a very fast team, a team that has better athletes just by the nature of where they're located in Houston, what can ECU do to them? What does that look like? Mm. Do they go on the road in a road environment and roll over? They didn't at the bounce house. That was a very good game that they probably should have won if they didn't kind of collapse at the end. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Is the off week going to hurt or help ECU? Yeah,
0: exactly. you know? there's a lot of factors that go into this game. I've yeah. got a lot of questions that I, I think this is one of those games I've got a lot of questions about coming into mm-hmm. and I'm very interested mm-hmm. to see how that goes.
1: I will say this about Mike Houston, love, love, love that in his press conference, we were talking about it before we started recording. I'm reading the transcript and he brings up, he's like talking about, you know, Houston and, and their record and. You know they're five and one coming to the game. I'm sure they feel like they should be six and zero. Oh. They probably feel like they let one get away in the opener against Texas Tech. I think every I've been coach. That all season. I know, but I think it's hilarious that he mentions it in the press conference because if I'm Dana Holgerson, I'm getting so pissed that I'm hearing everybody talk about the one that got away. Well, I think it's a good strategy.
0: A I mean, that one that got away was a could have been a power five one against a you know, so-so Texas Tech team that's, like, got a little bit of anxiety about do we even want Matt Wellspear coach going forward, you yeah. know, blah, blah, blah. Like, and it was a game that you had the lead in going into the half, and you shouldn't have lost, frankly.
1: I'm I mean, saying that every team that plays Houston should bring that game up.
0: Well, I think you can do it in reverse, though. It's but it's East Carolina should have beaten South Carolina. East Carolina probably should have beaten UCF this year.
1: Well yeah, maybe Dana will say that in his press
0: conference. Yeah. But like you had opportunities to win. But it's not the games. same
1: because Houston would be undefeated.
0: That's true because ECU so. was never gonna beat App state in that game. Yeah. Um, no.
1: So it's it's more of a dig. I think it's hilarious that yeah. he started that way. Can I tell I'm, you I'm fired up now. So
0: Can I tell you something a little interesting about this game? It's yeah. also a 13 and a half point spread. Uh, <laughs> that means so it's the same spread as two. For lane. Houston? Yep. Yeah.
1: What Houston is a no. 13 and a half
0: point favorite in this game, which is the same as SMU is over Tulane, which makes no sense to me to be honest. Yeah. ECU is clearly, they. well, I don't do a ton of transit property because like it's fun, but it only means so much, but we're in conference here. So ECU kind of beat the snot out of Tulane this year and SMU, we can all agree is better than Houston. They haven't played yet. You know what I mean? So like, there's no reason why that should be a, the same spread to me for like
1: That person has clearly not been watching AAC
0: football. The thing is is Vegas isn't in the, like, they're not out here trying to lose money on these games, but, like, that spread doesn't make sense to me. I think it's definitely going to be a closer game than that. As we speak, I'm still deciding who I'm going to pick, but, like, it'll definitely be closer than that, I think.
1: I think it's going to be a lot closer. I'm excited for this game. I am, too.
0: I think, you know, what's going to come down to? Hmm. Holton Aylor's on the road. He make it. <laughs> no. it is though. Like, is he get which Holton shows up? Is it the one who showed up against South Carolina and was, you know, throwing the ball two yards down, like two yards after he crossed the line of scrimmage and like taking bad intentional grounding calls and just missing check downs. Or is it going to be the Holton Aylor's that's been showing up in recent weeks and has been kind of lighting up opponents. Like do you well... get the fourth quarter against Marshall uh, Holton nailers or do you get the, you know, first half against App State? Like, which are you getting?
1: I think that depends on the offensive line because Houston, they don't bring a lot of blitzes Uh because they have that really strong front four that generates all the pressure.
0: They don't really need to.
1: They don't need to, right? So that means to me, if you're ECU going to this game, that your four up there need to hold the line and protect Mm -hmm. Taylors because you already know they're not really going to blitz. So you gotta just make a stand. Mm -hmm. And I think this game is going to be one in the trenches there.
0: yeah. And I think whether or not ECU finds a balanced running game, which I think I think we've Mm -hmm. seen uh, they have the perfect capability of doing nowadays, which they in recent years have not been able to say, I think they're capable of it now uh, yeah. do that. That takes a lot of pressure off Ellers, and it definitely makes it so that they have to leave guys in the box and just makes it easier for them to throw other side of the ball. Can Clayton tune, make plays against what is a pretty good ECU secondary because yeah, you know, the Houston offense has been efficient. It hasn't necessarily been explosive this year. I know they showed some yeah. explosiveness against Tulsa, but Tulsa didn't show up. It's a nice way to put it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, I don't know. I think Houston's gained a lot of credit for being five and one, but I don't know that the schedule merits all the credit they're getting. ECU, I think a step away from being five and one themselves. It's tough. Who do you got? Yeah.
1: I'm excited. Cause it's going to be physical downhill game. Both mm-hmm. teams are, are just full of athletes and full of guys that like to play physical football. So if you like that kind of play, you should tune in because this one's going to be a fun mm-hmm. one. I'm excited.
0: Yeah, it, I think this and then the Memphis UCF game are the two like games you definitely want to watch this week if you have to like limit yeah. yourself for some reason, though these games work <laughs> out nicely where if you just want to do an AAC slate, you can roll the, you know, roll the table with it without missing anything.
1: It's true. Um, All right, so who are you going to go, Houston?
0: It's no, I'm not. I'm going to go ECU. No quarter. <gasps> Let's go Pirates.
1: Oh, ECU. <laughs> Oh, okay. I'm gonna go ECU too. Oh wow! I know. 14 I think the fourteen-point
0: home favorite. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I never. I'm basically my pick. For, if you're wondering, though, it is against Houston's previous like schedule and saying I think this is a better you team. Really you really don't trust
1: that.
0: them. Oh, so I didn't trust them coming into the year at all. And when you look uh-huh. at their like schedule so far, like. I don't give you that much credit for beating up Rice this year or Grambling or Tulsa or you know Tulane. Like these are not teams that have proven to be good. Tulane's a one-win right. team at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Like I like them. I think right. they've got a lot of talent, but they're not winning games and there's a reason for it. Yeah. You know, I think ECU's played a tougher schedule. I think ECU's shown more improvement and more fight. And I like I don't know. Maybe I just like the color purple.
1: No. I just like Mike Houston. He he's okay. he's scrappy. He reminds me of like a junkyard cat. Like
0: that's confusing uh, in its own way. Coach Houston of the Pirates up against Houston. Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, I know that is. I didn't even think a that. It's gonna be a little bit
0: confusing. I think it's gonna be fun for I'll, the
1: broadcasters.
0: So. I'll, I'll trick myself at some point. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Um, one more game this week. Yes. Seven o'clock kick. Prime time. This is right where you want. You
1: know, it. why is this in the prime time?
0: <laughs> Temple at USF.
1: What? Why is that the seven o'clock game?
0: <laughs> I couldn't tell you why. That's the seven o'clock game. <laughs>
1: that's very it's strange. definitely ESPN
0: Plus. I, I have not checked what network it is. Done, e- it is ESPN 100% in ESPN yeah, Plus It, is.
1: it uh, is, to be fair, but still. But
0: even then, it's an, uh, usually that's the type of game you'd see. As this is the
1: Bulls' kick. chance on the, uh, the 7 p.m. kick to to
0: Last show everybody the what they're chance. made of. Okay. The Bulls' chance. You
1: don't think this is another chance for them?
0: Oh, it 100% is. I, I have no faith in Temple as a team. For being honest. Again, well, that's another team where the record's three and three right now, but you go like but, how but you're like, yeah. not really. You play Akron's yeah. terrible. Wagner's a bad FCS school. Like those are two of your wins right there. And then yeah, the Memphis game was kind of fluky and funny because, you know,
1: and I want to believe in temple. I really I do. Cause I think they have good people, but I, it, I, think, it's, I can't imagine what be to coach there right now is like, not even the head coach, like a position coach. It's got to be stressful there right now. Yeah. Like, I got... like haven't wanted to check in with my guys. Cause I just feel like <laughs> I'm just going to leave them alone. <laughs>
0: they're working 80 hour weeks. They don't. Yeah. Have time to <laughs> <laughs>
1: like, yeah. I'm like, no, I'm going to leave you guys to it.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're like, look at their phone. Like Emily, is that someone I've been recruiting or what's the deal? Here?
1: <laughs> <laughs> if not get out yeah. the spread two and a half.
0: That makes sense to me. That's basically, two is that a USF's favor? I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that's basically a coin flip and the home team gets three points you
1: know yeah Uh, that makes sense
0: to me as a spread you know this is an interesting game for me at the quarterback spot because either side you've got young quarterbacks and like which team can kind of fit their offense and do what the team what those quarterbacks need to succeed i think we've talked so extensively I don't want to rehash it too much of that I want Timmy McLean to be allowed to open it up in the offense and just like let him go make mistakes if he's going to make them and I think on the other side you need to fit what you're doing a little bit better to Dewan Mathis' skill set if he's the guy you're going to go with because I'm not convinced that he should like that Justin Lynch isn't a slightly better option right now or at least a slightly more mm-hmm. consistent option I think Mathis probably does have more upside but you know he's he has accuracy issues. It's the nicest way to put it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and he nice. looked, And I was going to say against Cincinnati, and I know it's Cincinnati, and he looked scared in the, that second half against Cincinnati. Mathis did. He looked overwhelmed yeah. and scared. And, you know, they're going to do that to a lot of quarterbacks, though. So,
1: yeah, to be fair. Well, and the Owls have had the bye week. So yeah. that's good, I guess.
0: I, it definitely helps. I, I think, think for them, what?
1: it's good because they okay. needed to heal.
0: They they did need to figure like take some time and just like mm. regroup, and it was like yeah. a long bye week too because they uh, had some say on a Friday night. So
1: right, so they got the extra. Uh, so anyways, I don't know. One, I
0: I have got one more thing. For you. USF just no. blew a game that they should have won. They had like an eleven point fourth quarter lead yes. or something. Like that. What type of? How do you feel about that emotionally for the Bulls? Because. You could go, man, I guess we're losers and kind of take that step back from that energy. (laughs) We we took a lot of, no, we talked to you a lot about how the energy they've been playing with is really good. And that's something that you want to see from a a team that's building something and struggling in the wins-loss column. But does having the rug pulled out from under you a bit in a way that you haven't had before impact how you kind of, you know, go forward from here? You go, man, I guess we're just going to lose every game and you kind of like fall back. Or do you go, man, we were that close and (laughs) excited? I don't know. I think that comes down to whether or not Scott can get them up for this type of game still.
1: That wasn't going to be my counter question, because, yes, you can sink into that, you know, depression of having lost by such a close margin or you can be fired up by it. But To your point about his play calling, especially at the end of the game as players, how do you bounce back? Assuming I, they saw what you saw, where it's frustrating to see someone lead you into yeah. a loss. Yeah. I thought
0: he, right? yeah, He mismanaged the clock, in my opinion, and I, I mentioned this. How on do the, the
1: players uh, bounce back and trust yeah. that they won't do that again? You know,
0: yeah. he's like, and I mentioned this on the review show, but he took mm-hmm. the ball out of McLean's hands at the end of that game and started yeah. using direct snaps to the Ryan back. And I don't know, like, do you feel like he doesn't trust you then if you're McLean? Right. Because again, I feel like he's not, I feel like he's not (laughs) letting him open it up in the offense to just like go win a game. He's trying to keep him from losing games as it is. So like, that almost feels like, where's the trust?
1: No, that's, and that's a really hard thing for guys who are already dealing yeah. with like losses to mm. you, you at least need to show that you have faith in them. And I hate when coaches do that. Cause it's demoralizing. Like I was pulled out of so many games. Um, when I would make mistakes by coaches, it's the worst thing you can do to it's a true, player,
0: yeah. immediately. you know, feeling. is not
1: have faith in them and pull them out. If they do something wrong, you have to let them ride it out sometimes, mm. most of the time.
0: And I'd also like to point out that I've got no insight into these two's relationship. I'm not a, you know, I'm not on the USF beat. I don't watch practices for them. Like there's so much more that can be going on. So it's not fair to do too much speculation, but I do know what it looks like from the outside looking in. It looks like he doesn't trust his quarterback yet. You know what I mean? And I want him to start trusting his quarterback. And perception
1: is reality. So whether or not we know what's going on, that's what it's being perceived as. And that's almost as important as what's really going on when it comes to these programs, you know? So
0: yeah, something to think about. USF home field advantage. Does it exist in this game?
1: You already said that it doesn't.
0: I said that on the last <laughs> a Saturday
1: night, A Saturday night at 7 p.m. kick, you know, maybe. I don't know. I don't know anything about the culture there, but I feel like who's not coming out at 7 p.m.? It'll be cooler. It's not middle of the day. Camp, yeah,
0: camp blend the sun. I
1: don't um, know. All day to tell. You said it doesn't. To- you said I, it doesn't
0: exist, so it, I've said before that I think they need to get out of Raymond James Stadium as soon as possible and build something on campus. I mentioned mm-hmm. in our last show that we recorded that USF does not market their football program or their athletics programs broadly speaking, pretty much at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not even me saying that they don't do it well enough. That's you can go read tons of bowls writers, you know, people who are much more in tune to the program, alumni of the university, who will tell you that too. I know that because of my UCF affiliation, sometimes people say, oh, you're just hating on them. No, I'm not. I'm telling you, genuinely advise you, try advertising games on campus. Try moving games to campus and see how great it is to have alumni on your campus every other weekend in the fall Mm -hmm. and how much easier it is for students to go to games when they don't have to take a half hour Uber ride through a city, you know? These all seem like... These are just like... this like
1: commonsensical things.
0: I mean, like it's the same thing for years took a lot of, you know, nonsense from USF fans for saying like, you really need to put money towards indoor practice They're like we're fine. We're fine. We're fine. Like, blah, blah, blah. Well, no, you're not because every time there's a lightning storm, you can't practice and you yeah. play in central. And Florida. that's a lot. Yeah. I, I was going to say, <laughs>
1: you
0: know what I mean? Like, and that was like a thing that like, that's not even like, again, it wasn't my opinion. It was Charlie strong said, this is an issue. <laughs> Jeff Scott said it was an issue. when we first, came. they're finally breaking ground on it. So good for them. The on-campus stadium is the same thing. Right now, it's going to be a very dead atmosphere is really what I'm long way of saying is it'll be interesting to see how many red seats are there at Raymond James Stadium because they do stand out as red seats for the Buccaneers. And well,
1: if any USF fans listen to this podcast, this is a call to action for you guys. What? Your team could win this game if you show out. So go to the game, please.
0: And, and again, you. if you're a USF fan who's thinking about getting mad at me online because I said that your fans don't show up to games, just... You know
1: show up to the games prove us wrong prove well. Dan wrong
0: but also like ch- check out I, I mentioned it last podcast about again. check out the Daily Stampede stuff about it yep. because it's your own communities pointing it out too this is not like obviously like I watched the games and I can see that there's not a lot of people there but like it's not just me it's your own community that's noticed that fans don't show up to Raymond James Stadium
1: but also, they now have a chance to shove it in your face if they go to the games. I would,
0: so. I would love it if the Temple US yeah. game randomly sold out because, I, first off, it would be the silliest time to start selling out a game. But like,
1: <laughs> whatever. But well, whatever. But like, no, Do it. Let's make Dan eat great, his
0: words. Great atmospheres are good for the conference, and I want yeah. you know, teams that in this conference to play in great atmospheres. It looks, it's just better for the conference if the stadiums are full. It is.
1: Yeah, I agree. You know?
0: Uh, anyways, who are you picking this game?
1: This is really tough. This is actually the hardest one for me.
0: It, it's not easy I, pick.
1: It's not. Um, I'm gonna go USF.
0: All right, I am gonna go Temple because I took USF <gasps> last week and they hurt me. They cut me. And you know what?
1: They hurt you. They cut.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna say no. I'll say
1: Temple this. doesn't I, hurt you ever.
0: <laughs> I didn't hardly ever pick them.
1: <laughs> That's fair.
0: No, like. I think temple coming off the bye week to regroup. I think, you know, I think they're also just a slightly more put together team this season. I know that I just kind of knocked all their wins as being, eh, but not that good. I think they do have a little bit more resilience to them right now. That's all. I don't know if that's the best way to put it, but it's yeah. a coin. It's a coin flip game. I think you can it go to without too much. All right. Um, yeah those are our week five slate of games it's uh, a yeah. i think a couple interesting games in there the temple usf game is going to be interesting to see who wins because
1: it'll be you know, interesting for the conference if you don't exactly. care about american football then well yeah but
0: from if you're looking to see which team's doing a better job building right now i think that's an important <laughs> game because they're both yes. obviously rebuilding programs uh yes. yeah no it's i think it's a pretty good week i think like i said since navy navy you might be okay to watch flipping over to a different game and just assuming since he wins. But other than that, it's going to be a really good weekend.
1: Yeah, it should be fun. I'm going to plug a Sunbelt game, even though we're not the Sunbelt podcast, but Coastal Carolina plays at App State tomorrow night, Wednesday night in what could be the hardest, what is the hardest Coastal game so far?
0: It will be. Everybody wants to hate on
1: them. Yeah. Okay. Everyone wants to hate that they haven't played anybody good. They haven't played in any hard environments. They're going to go in and take care of business. I have no doubt. And then everyone can eat their words. So, Hey,
0: I would, uh, hmm. I like Coastal Carolina. I really do. Yes. I, think, I think I mentioned last podcast, Grayson McCall for the Heisman. He really makes sense to me for that. Uh, you know, they're a fun team. There's no way around it. Yes. It's going to be a shame that they get left out of a New Year Six game for Cincinnati this year. It is what yeah. it is. There's actually a lot of T5 teams who are going to get left out of New Year's Six games. <laughs> UTSA, they're going to get left out. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you can name it. There's several others out in the Mountain West. San Diego State still unbeaten, though. Yeah. I don't know how.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> it's the Mountain West.
0: That's <laughs> weird. It's a it's a weird conference out there. Yeah, UTEP the is wild wild qui- wild West. I think I saw somewhere UTEP is very quietly bowl eligible. UTEP. That's understand. that about it's
1: right. a weird.
0: It's a weirder season. The G five. If you look beyond the American. Even in the American, it's like a little strange.
1: Do you think that USC manages to beat Notre Dame or no?
0: No, I don't. No. Notre Dame's coming off a bye. Notre
1: Dame's at and they're home.
0: Notre Dame's coming off a bye. It's at Notre Dame, Uh, and frankly, USC stinks.
1: Okay. Interesting.
0: An excellent defense. It's going to be, as always, a boring Notre Dame game to watch, but. It's exciting because I do love the Notre Dame USC rivalry.
1: I was torn between going to um, Clemson, Pittsburgh. Oh, Pitt. This weekend. Hail Pitt. I love going to Pitt. They play at Hines Field, which is so fun. Um, I, you know my
0: feelings about teams playing in the NFL, NFL stadiums. stadiums. I know. But uh, for
1: this city, it works. I it feel it. Like.
0: I do remember, like, Pitt design, uh, Heinz Field, sorry, was designed with Pitt in mind as being like Mm -hmm. the home team. So it's not like they're kind of like borrowing facilities. It's like designed for them as well. Yeah.
1: They have a presence there.
0: For what it's worth, it makes sense. I don't agree with it necessarily, but I get it. It's like UNLV sharing with the Raiders. I don't agree with it, but I also, I get it.
1: It's so much better than where they did play.
0: Well, yeah. I I, I never. Sam Boyd
1: Stadium.
0: Sam Boyd wasn't on campus either. It's not like they left. No, it
1: wasn't. But it Go was in. terrible.
0: So. It, so it's definitely a distinct improvement.
1: Yes. There. Well, we were trying to decide between that because obviously Kim went to Clemson. I love going to Pitt or Northwestern Michigan. And we went with Michigan. Um, so if anyone is looking for some sort of crazy uh, possible chaos, that game might be of Let's interest.
0: North, I would love it if Northwestern upset Michigan. That'd be I pretty. can't
1: make any promises, but we will be in the house. So oh, no. you never know.
0: Northwestern, and I think you probably know this, is like, once every three years, they're randomly buried yeah. for no good reason. Just, yes, you know.
1: it's yeah, it's weird. And I've been up there, but then I was there the first time I ever went to Northwestern was two years ago before the pandemic, and they got shut out by Iowa like they scored no points at home. That makes so, sense. So, yeah, it was like the weirdest thing. But then the well, next year,
0: those are really really like terrible on offense, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, they're, I yeah, remember Roosevelt's
0: that was Walt Bell's first year. It's hard Wisconsin, to get shut out they scored a lot. <laughs>
1: It's hard to get shut. It's hard to like literally score none points. That's very difficult. So I went up there, I was like super excited. Evanston's so cute. Uh, they have a stadium DJ who's amazing. So I was like really excited. And then Iowa just was like, no, nope, none. <laughs> it it <laughs> happens like with the cool. it But we'll happens. see what happens this weekend. I'm excited to go to the big house. It's one of my favorite venues in college football. So it should be good.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can find me at Dan underscore Morrison 96.
1: You can find me at nem E-M-I-L-N-E-M.
0: Yeah. Have a good weekend. We're off.
1: We'll see you next time.